Welcome to Sustainable Non-Fungible Talk, a podcast on everything about Web3 and sustainability. It's brought to you by the team of Sustainable, including me, your host Lin Ning. Our guest today is Tommaso Di Battaglia. Tommaso is a Silicon Valley-based serial entrepreneur with two exits and a faculty member at UC Berkeley, where he lectures about entrepreneurship and innovation with a focus on blockchain. As an author and a tech startup investor, Tommaso speaks seven languages and is a frequent keynote speaker and advisor to many Silicon Valley's most renowned startup accelerators, such as Google Launchpad, Draper Universities, and The Alchemist. Just published his second book, Navigating the Metaverse: A Guide to Limitless Possibilities in the Web3 World. So today I will have Tommaso here to talk about metaverse economics and the blockchain. Hi, Tommaso. It's a great honor to have you here today. What a great pleasure, Lin. Much, much appreciated. So, when we talk about metaverse, I would think of the sci-fi novel book, "The Snow Crash" by Neil Stephenson from almost thirty years ago, where people can be connected to the virtual realm through sporting VR goggles. So, Tommaso, what does meta metaverse mean to you? What brought you into the metaverse world? That、uh, uh, keeps on being one of the most interesting questions.、Uh, maybe the most frequent asked question isn't exactly October 2021, right? With one when one of the more、uh, famous or known entrepreneurs called Mark Zuckerberg, right, repositioned and renamed the company formerly known as Facebook to today Meta, right? As a as a matter of fact, I remember that in the year previous to that, in the year 2020, right. I was more involved with the topic of non-fungible tokens, right? And by the end of the year 2020, we roughly measured in an overall revenue globally, right? Estimated revenue of half a billion dollars in non-fungible tokens. And when we approached people and companies about the metaverse, right? It was not really a topic in 2020, right? So the same happened、mm-hmm. then at the beginning of 2021. NFT started wrapping up more and more and more. As a matter of fact, 2021 we had roughly 20 billion. If some statistics say 20 between 20 and 25 billion, right? And、uh, and again, metaverse topic was not still、uh, very known. And then everything changed, Lin. With October, right? Everybody started saying, "Whoa, we have a digital strategy. Let's hop into this metaverse, right?" But the question is really, why the metaverse? What the metaverse, right? And I actually like to start out, but by 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 solving, let's call it some misconception, Lin, of what the metaverse is not. Because if we start understanding what the metaverse is not, it will guide us more and more. To what the metaverse actually is, right? And I like to break it down in five key pillars, right? So the metaverse is is not VR, right? Like so many are seeing, right? So the metaverse is platform agnostic, right? It's web, it's VR, right? It's mobile, and it definitely will reach its peak when we will be having a seamless integration into our real life through augmented. Reality. So the metaverse, as position number two, is not a game, but actually gamers were enjoying gamified environments that were rewarding them based on tokens. Right? The metaverse is is not meta, like Tesla is not the car and Google is not、uh, the internet. Right? And the metaverse, especially Lin, is not a place.、Mm-hmm. The metaverse is an experience, Lin. The metaverse is an experience, as an extension to our real life. 
is an experience in which we have a sustainable economy in it. And sustainable means there is a supply and demand, an organic supply and demand of unique digital assets, also known as the non-fungible tokens, as NFTs, right? So within this experience, what you do is you connect the physical world and the physical world defined that people, places, products with a purpose, right? You connect whatever is analog, right? And you introduce and you combine and you merge and you converge it with the realm of the Web3, meaning the blockchain-based benefits, right? And why do we do that? Well, because humankind has been asking for more transparency, for a voice in the market, to collaborate and doing things rather than just contribute towards things, right? And that's what the metaverse is. An experience is an extension to a real life, which I, by the way, like to coin with digital, which is the definition of physical to digital, right? That's, that's what ultimately is new. That's what ultimately the benefit is of, of a metaverse lens. Great question. Yeah, that's a very good summary of what a metaverse is in a nutshell. So just for our listeners, if you want to learn more about Tommaso's concept about metaverse and metaverse economics, you should go to look, look up for his book, Navigating the Metaverse. So speaking of the book, do you have some fun backstage stories to share with our listeners during the process of creating this book? This question fits actually pretty well with the first one, because as far as, you know, I was breaking down timing, right? It was the beginning of 2021. I was sitting with a couple of friends, right? And everybody was already asking, well, what's this thing about the metaverse? What's this thing about the NFT, right? And this question was kind of, we have been asked like a lot, a lot this question, right? And there's two friends of mine, Kathy Hackle and Dirk Luth, everybody had a different perspective, right? So why don't we actually write something that is that describes and, and, and describes the values and describes the ecosystem, describes the framework so that we actually educate the market and contribute in that way, right? That was the, the fun backstory, right? And so we started writing and this was the beginning of 2021 again. This was not metaverse time, right? It's where everything started. Yeah, and uh, and and then and then we we started writing. We started writing this, and by the end of uh, by the end of September slash October, right, we had this major event shift with metaverse becoming a priority strategically for the world. We can say right, and we were really great in great pole position with what we had uh, written. Right, it's a it's a it's a it's a really book that allows you, even as a non technical person, right to digest what the metaverse is from a different from different perspective right my perspective is more the guy who is at at at, at UC Berkeley teaching entrepreneurship with an entrepreneurial background right Dirk is somebody who has started a game based on a blockchain right and and then we have uh, my partner in crime and and uh, and my dear friend Kathy Hackle who is also better known as uh, the godmother of uh, the metaverse. By the way, there is a funny anecdote to that too, Lynn. I don't know if, but I'm from Sicily, right? And I always joke, uh. I joke with uh, with with Katty and say, well, people call you the godmother. Imagine if they would call me the godfather. <laughs> this wouldn't, they wouldn't good look for a girl, for a, for a Sicilian. <laughs> Anyhow, joke aside. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, so yeah, so speaking of the metaverse economics, so I know that you're also launching your own metaverse startup, Figital. So could you tell us a little bit more what does Figital do and what's the major differentiating point from Figital and other metaverse platforms? That's a phenomenal question. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm super thrilled and excited to say that after six years of humbly learning and exploring 
what other problem I would like to solve on, on, on earth, right? I embarked upon my, my fifth, fifth venture, my fifth startup within the last 22 years. And yes, the company is called Fidgetal. Actually, this entire vision started out with, with a lot of, let's call it hands-on experience, which I almost say operational researches, right? I'm part of a couple of advisory boards of startups in the space of NFTs and the metaverse. I've been doing investments in the metaverse. I myself and an, 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 I a retail investor in, in, in a variety of tokens. I teach this, I've wrote about book. All this to say that I've been assessing this market. Like like inside out. Like I'm not an observer. I'm I'm an operator in this market, right? And and then I started asking myself, well, we are in an intriguing phase in which the metaverse is in. The metaverse is an early adoption phase. And like any early adoption phase, you start out in a specific category. And the category in which the metaverse started out and which gave, let's say, the first impulse for the metaverse is definitely game, right? And yes, it serves gamers and crypto aficionados, but then I said, is this what it is, right? And it's actually not, because we need to embrace the fact that we are in an early adoption moment. Like it's the same thing you give birth to a baby. Just because it, that it's not able to walk, you cannot say that you are throwing the baby out, but it's a human being, it has the DNA, it will grow, right? The same mentality and the same approach we have here in the metaverse, right? And then I started questioning with a couple of peers of mine from academia, from the market, from the history, well, what's missing? What problem can we solve, right? And, and we really got to a point where we said, well, what is missing is really the connection of the physical world in the digital world. What is really missing is, and it's not just saying stuff, but how can you connect every single product, every fashion product, every CPG product, every car product, every insurance, like how can you connect that and bring it to life in a way that does not, that does not exist? And the fundamental question that is provoking thought that we had here behind it was, how much more is humankind going to extrapolate out of this new dimension. Imagine only if technology could connect anything physical with the Web3 real, right? And with that in mind, we, we founded Fidgetal without the vows, right? That, I mean, it goes without saying it's representing the connection of the physical and the digital world, right? And we are basically offering to consumers three main benefits, right? One, we are offering an immersiveness by allowing any consumer with a simple app, with a simple mobile phone to point at anything that you can imagine, a bottle, a tin, a car, a logo, a Starbucks cup, right? And on top of that, you will be having a scene that is a visual, a visual, a visual augmentation, which is augmented reality. So in this scene, you'll be able to meet with friends and to co-create. You have no co-creation tools, no code no coding co-creation tools that allow you to change the scene, to add to the scene, to modify in the scene. So actually really to express yourself in the scene and which moment you can then convert that entire artifacts, that entire augmented reality scene into a unique digital asset that, and that's the key also differentiator that we have, is not to just to collect like any other product on the market right now. Because yes, collection and NFTs are a way of entering the NFT market, but in my assumption, right, and in my estimates, collection will be the smallest part of the overall revenue by 2030. By 2030, the NFT market will be $220 billion, and the NFT collection will be a minimal part of it. The biggest part of the NFT 
will be that you get access to commercial benefits. So what Fidgetal provides is immersiveness through augmented reality. You have the co-creation ability through in the augmented reality where you meet like-minded and you all have a voice in adjusting things and changing things. And then the last part that you, you do it and while you do this, you have commercial benefits of the NFT that gives you access to special discounts, special communities, special products, right? So, and that's basically what we have as a, as a unique, as a unique selling proposition. It's like giving you a canvas and you can, you can create or like a lot of like different parties can come to create their own part of art. I love that, Lynn. Yes, absolutely. I mean, yeah. there is this one aspect that the Web2, what, what one of the core mechanics that it had was to always bring all the people into one place, which for that time was good. But we actually gave up our time and our contribution towards a centralized monopolist. Now I'm exactly doing the opposite. I'm not only decentralizing the technology, I'm decentralizing the interest to make it on top and, and provide you at the right, at any place, any time, access to anything that you want throughout your mobile phone, right? You don't have to go to a place to, to single sign on and, and to have access to whatever you think is of interest to you. Yeah, that's cool. So we talked about at the beginning last year when Facebook changed the name to Meta. Uh, I believe a lot of people got to know about Metaverse through these events. And following that, a lot of Metaverse-related companies start to, to blooming. But the concept of Metaverse exists long time ago. So why do you think like now is the time for this emerging trend of a Metaverse company to, to come to, to the light? Well, the, the, any innovation any innovation cycle, right, has always three things in common. Any innovation cycle, if we look back, introduction of mobile phone, introduction of cloud compute, introduction of the internet, right? So what are the three things, right? It's, it's always the, the meeting at the right time, the right place, the following three, let's say, disruption. Number one is that technology, the previous technologies have reached its limit. What two, ladies and gentlemen, has reached its limits. It's no longer fun and no longer engaging. You see this in a variety of numbers, the decrease on engagement of social media. And with that, as a logical consequence, the, the inflationary revenues generated by ads, right? So they're not immersive, meaning the humankind is kind of, okay, we have seen enough pictures and enough videos, right? We would like to have more immersive stuff, right? So one is the, the previous generation of technologies has reached its limit. And in parallel, because these needs or these, these inflection points come not from one day to the other, you have a technology advanced blockchain over the last eight, nine years, right, has empowered us to have decentralized monetization system, decentralized uh, marketplaces, decentralized, which gave us a voice, which gave us transparency, which gave us immutability, right? So again, something reaches a limit, right? The technology has advancement. And at the center of all this, Lynn, the third part is that humankind evolves. We have said, okay, it's enough to provide some content to a third party. It's enough to spend time to places where we don't have really something out of it, right? And once these drinks meet together, it's like a match made in heaven, or what I like to say, it's a match made in the metaverse, if you ever want, right? That's cool. So how do you envision Metaverse will likely to empower and interrupt the next generation of gaming, social media, and education? I think that unlike in the past, like I was sharing where you have platforms that were inviting you to contribute towards the content. Now with the ability for you to owning the content, 
the humankind has still not 99.9% is not understanding this concept. What does it mean on my content, right? <laughs> but once you're starting embracing and really understanding that, that what the potential is of you owning it, right? Of you creating your digit identity, right? And, and having a backpack with your preferences, with your friends, with your communications, with your tokens, with your digital assets, right? This really will empower you to become the contributor to any uh, economy, right? You can bring this backpack seamless into third parties environment, decentralized application, any decentralized application and contribute and have a voice in it. So I believe really that it will be all about co-creation. Like co-creation to me, in my point of view, is the most fundamental ingredient that many are still not even scratching the surface, the depth of what that means. And the reason for that is very tangible, the way that I want to convey it to you. Whenever you get into a monetization model, regardless if it's a token, it's a fiat, or if it's a, a point reward, right? At the beginning, you have always the humankind once you meet a new monetization model, you have a certain interest level. This interest level very soon converts into an expectation because you know already that. So you know if you do something, you get something. So you can never actually intrinsically motivate the humankind just by giving them money because it's expected. What you motivate humankind if you provide more, more aha moments, more wow moments. And the only wow moment that humankind has with something is spontaneous, and creative, right? So, and co-creation is always the collaboration of multiple parties that together accomplish something. And this feeling of belonging, this feeling of achievement, this feeling of now together having more like-minded people, right, is what really is going fundamentally to shift and change social media, gaming, the music industry, the learning industry. Like, that's to me the core to everything. Yeah, like you mentioned about the co-creation part. So we all know that uh, like a D-app or what's called the decentralized application, it's an essential success factor in metaverse. So what do you think uh, like the metaverse platform and D-app can attract a greater quantity of daily active users and to encourage, encourage more people to get on the platform transactions? Well, this, this, this question goes kind of in a direction, when are we going to have more users? When are we going to have more mass adoptions, right? I mean, we really all together should stop using the excuse of providing a crabby usability experience just because it's Web3. And I want to pause here so because, because this is very strong what I'm saying, right? Many companies say, oh, uh -huh. we are Web3. You know, no, no, stop it. We are actually serving humankind, right? We are serving, we're serving a generation that doesn't need to comply with a new technology. We're solving problems. So what problems are at the center of this, Lynn, is what massive problem are we solving? By the way, this has not mm -hmm. changed in Web 1, Web 2, Web 3, whatever, Web, not Web. We are always using tools to solve problems, right? So the first thing is, okay, what problem are you solving? And now they are in a bear market, Lynn. This provoking question is more fundamental than ever, right? Because as long as we are in a, in a, in a bull market, right? And everybody's spending left and right, right? You, 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 you get away with defying things and being more fun, right? But now we mm -hmm. really need to solve a problem. So what problem are we solving? What is the usability experience? Like how seamless is it, right? Like how, how intuitive is it what, what you're doing, right? And then around what use case are we doing? 
like in our daily life, how are we using actually Web3? And why Web3 and not Web2? So these are the things that we need to reflect upon, right? So first, usability experience for everybody, right? And then the second thing, what problem are we solving? And the third and last thing is, as long as we understand Web3 or the metaverse as a place where you have to go as a game, you have to sit in front of a desktop, you have to single sign up for something, right? You need to, you need to again, centralize your attention where others are. We are not understanding what the Web3 opportunities are. We are looking at Web3 with Web2 lenses, right? Web3 goes way beyond that, right? And we need to really put the end user at the center of all this, solve a problem for the end user and provide access anytime, anywhere based on Web3, based on transparency, based on, on traceability, based on true decentralization and not an aggregation of people online where you want them to have. But really, where are you right now? What problem do you have right now? And what, what can be solved right now? That's how I'm looking at things. Yeah, I think for general users, they don't really like conceptually differentiate whether this is a Web2 tool or this is like no Web3 app. People are just like, does this thing actually bring value to me? Do I find it useful? Is it fun to use? Uh, and then I think that's where people will decide to make a switch or not. Yeah. So we also see that a lot of people are like our users on blockchain are like, actually, there's some data showing like three quarters are identified as male. So uh, how can we bridge the gap and attract more female users to the blockchain and the metaverse world? I'm a big supporter of that, not just by saying that, but but first of all, I'm invited. I was invited this year to be a editor, editorial board member of the Women of the Future. And uh, which, by the way, is a book that has a hundred uh, nominees of the most active and, and pulsing thought leaders in the space and Web3 and the metaverse. So check it out, Women of, of the Future. And uh, beyond that, I am have an entire episode series, an entire podcast episode series under the Metaverse Studio, where I'm interviewing 24 or 25 of the most uh, renowned, right? So uh, ladies in the space. So what is it we need to do? Well, we need all to work together to collaborate. From a female perspective, what I've learned with my with female peers is that you don't need to fear, even if you don't know, right? Because it's a very inclusive, Metaverse is a very inclusive space, right? And when I say inclusive is please join communities on the, 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 the famous discords of this world, on the Twitter of this world. And then Web3 has really this, this mentality of we educate you, we, 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 we bridge, we help you bridge from not knowing to knowing, right? Ultimately, at the center of all this, Lynn, is regardless of female or non-female, but we need to explore by doing things, right? You don't understand innovation on paper. You need to execute, you need to experiment, right? Because only through experimentation, you will be learning. And the beauty of it, that this space is very open, inclusive, right? And uh, I believe also, because females are generally more creative than, than, than men's, that what statistics say, and I believe so too, right? That this space actually screams for females, right? Because the creativity will be so fundamental to this new realm called the metaverse.
So I know that you're also a blockchain metaverse investor. So what do you think would be the next trend to follow in terms of the metaverse investment? That's an intriguing question. So I think that definitely from an industry perspective, one of the industry that in my point of view, fundamental industry that will be disrupted will be the educational industry, the learning industry, right? So learning any kind of skill set. And the reason why I'm saying it is, is twofold. Number one, Learning is completely broken, not only from a system like a governmental perspective, but also on how the, the student is learning and, 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 and offered to learn the, the, the new subject, right? Which is still mainly on, primarily still on books in a majority of, of, of the locations, right? And when it goes online, it's kind of a very boring an asynchronous way of watching videos. That's not the way that people learn. In order to learn, humankind need to be immersed in the topic, right? And I'm using the word immersed because I believe that the immersiveness, right, is, is the key to access to human senses. And when human senses are activated, you embrace and learn the topic way more, right? When you are immersed, right? So there is the typical sentence, oh, how do you learn a language? And I speak one or two languages, right? So, well, you need to be immersed in the country, right? But now instead of being immersed in the, in the country, instead of Lynn being in Italy and learning Italian, right? You can be in an augmented reality space or in a virtual reality space. And at this point, I would like to also point out uh, one of the startups I'm part of the advisory Board is uh, immersed.online, which is a metaverse for started out as a metaverse dot for 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 learning languages, right? But it's actually the beauty of that is that you are navigating in real time through real use cases. Yes, it's a VR yet, right? They started out with VR, they are, they are still VR, right? But but you really have a, a, a use cases such as you go to the airport, you go to a restaurant, and you have in real time, that's not the video, right? I have people that confront you with a real scenario, right? And, and so it's a very immersive way of you learning the language. And now you can extrapolate and, and take this beyond just the learning the, the language industry and say learning in general will be completely dissected because it will be not only immersive, but also rewarding, right? Through the gamification, through the token system, right? People will be incentivized, incentivized to learn more in a better way and to also collect and have more out of it through through the token economics. In order to get there, Lynn, we will be things like investing in more infrastructure, investing in things that give you a seamless integration into real life, investing in things like that take the, the utility of the token beyond that, right, is fundamental. So these are kind of the, the some of the perspectives that I have as an investor. Thank you. Yeah, that's very important. So since uh, we are, are a nonprofit organization focused on sustainability, so there's one question that we asked all of our guest speakers. So what kind of role do you believe uh, Web3 initiatives, and in this case, a metaverse, can play in addressing sustainability issues? In order for you to create a metaverse, you have at the center a community. And in order to have a community, you need to have a mission. Otherwise, you don't you don't get people gathering, right? The metaverse is nothing else than a, a digital environment, regardless if it's VR, AR, or web-based, right? But but humankind need to do something in there, right? That they don't meet and they don't gather if you don't have a mission. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is because sustainability is all about mission, 
right? So there will be a series mm. of, of groups, of DAOs, of communities, right? That will be mission-oriented, that will be gathering in, in, in immersive worlds, in rewarding worlds, right? In which they can accelerate projects, in which they can scope projects, in which they can explore different projects. So this will be a new way of them actually around the world brainstorming, taking decisions and following through projects, right, in, in, in the metaverse. Yeah, I can envision like in the future people meet through virtual reality and then just like we can meet like face to face and then discuss about like what kind of project we can do for like the environment, for financial inclusiveness, not for better healthcare, for like developing countries, yeah. nothing like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, so as a faculty in UC Berkeley, you teach the app development and entrepreneurship. So for our listeners who are the builders and entrepreneurs in this field, what would be your advice for them, especially like facing the current market right now? Actually, the current market is the best market that any entrepreneur can ha ever have, right? And what I mean with that is when the market is down, the entrepreneur is up. It's easy to do a company when everything, you know, is, is well. And, and by the way, my, my first company I started also after the dot-com burst or within the dot-com burst in the year 2001. So that's really the best time for real entrepreneurs or people who are really committed to do something, right, to start out. Now, the definition is to do something. What is it you do? If you just do it for the purpose of having a startup, don't start out because it's a bad time, right? It's, but if you really understand a problem, right, then you should be starting out. And technology is just a tool, a vehicle that solves, that helps you solve the problem. So don't think I need to do a Web3 company, I need to do a blockchain company. That's not the right way of thinking of it, right? You mm -hmm. need to understand what massive problem are you solving. I'm solving the problem of healthcare. I'm solving the problem of cancer. I'm solving the problem of transportation. I'm solving the, right? So what is the problem that you're solving, right? And then how is it handled today? And how would you handle it? And then you start considering possibilities, right? Of, of what tools are helping you to fulfill that, that, that mission, right? So you don't start out by selecting a solution for a problem. You start out by a problem that seeks then a solution, right? So the mission here is, again, understand your field, put together the right team. That's the most difficult thing, Lynn, right? Building a product yeah. and executing, right? Everything is difficult, right? Fundraising is challenging, right? But putting together the right team that understands the industry, that that is sticks with you through through ups and downs. And as an entrepreneur, you have more downs and downs than ups and downs, right? <laughs> so that's the more difficult thing. It definitely, guys and ladies, the best time to start out. We are just scratching the the surface of what new opportunities we're going to have. With this underlying, uh, with this underlying framework called Web three, so start out. Yep, that's yeah. I, I hope you know, like a lot of founders and builders will be encouraged from what you just said, and just start out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much. I think that's all we got today here. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Sustainable Non Fungible Talk. This show is brought to you by SustainaDAO, a decentralized protocol that promotes social progress, environmental balance, and economic growth with blockchain technology. I'm your host, Clarice Chiu. 
and I'm your host Ling Ning. If you like the content, subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter at SustainAdow. We also have premium content including blockchain research, member exclusive events and more with NFT Pass Access. For more information, please visit our website diesel.org.